Welcome to Unlearning Childhood. My, I'm your co-host, Joshua Turpin. And I'm your co-host, Abigail Williams. And this is our first episode, and we're sort of just planning on talking about how we have grown and changed and sort of model that for other people and help walk you through it if you are decide to take this journey with us. And the main reason we do want to talk about this is because given um, our past, what we're going to talk about, it's so important for us to process this, you know, unpack everything. And we know we're not the only people who have had these types of experiences. And so it's, you know, we want to make the world a better place and we want to help other people go through that journey. And this is, you know, our way of going through this journey is just, you know, we're going to unpack everything. We're going to process things. We're going to go wow, that was bad. And we're going to share it because sharing is caring. And if we don't talk about the things that happen, then we can't get the word out about what has happened. And that's the good thing of all science and research and school communication. We got to communicate it. Yes. And we should know. And as you might have heard from the title of this episode is we sort of grew up in a cult. So it's a little bit different, but it's more just like a ideal form of the movements that our childhood came up out of would like to do and would like yeah it was it was it was cult adjacent um i've also used the term cultish and culty and my therapist goes your words not mine but you know yeah the the platonic ideal of a cult but not a cult and uh, we should also note that another reason why we are talking about this and doing this podcast is a lot of times whenever you are a child and whenever you're growing up and even whenever you're an adult, you hear these things that like don't ring right to you, but you just accept it. And then it moves forward into adulthood and you just accept it. And just for the rest of your life, you accept it. And then it's a common trope among uh, college students talking about in elementary school, you learn something. In middle school, you learn all of that was wrong. In high school, you learn all of that was wrong. In college, you learn all of that was wrong. And uh, a lot of times people just accept that and like continue going. And sometimes people stick with their older version. And sometimes even the thing you learn in college is actually wrong, such as Newtonian gravity is the incorrect gravity. And we need to work with Einsteinian theory, but that's too complicated and our brains cannot comprehend it in high school. And I say this because this conflict has led both of us to become PhD students and that's going to be a whole thing throughout this everything is we just kept going higher and higher through school figuring stuff out changing yes it's the it's the quest for knowledge it's you know you're not satisfied with what you're taught so you keep pursuing and you keep pursuing and it's not only saying you know oh everything I learned was wrong now I'm going to just move forward it's like well why did I learn why was that wrong not only why was it wrong but why did they even teach that if it was wrong and they knew it was wrong and some things with like Newtonian and Einsteinian gravity apparently my physics class skipped that (laughs) I just learned about it I just learned about it I'm supposed to be the science major here I mean that's something that you know what I don't think that it'll come down to a situation where Einsteinian and Newtonian gravity is a life or death situation in most scenarios but some of the stuff we've taught it's like this could be you know life or death this could be you know talking about you know like ways we treat people and that's so much bigger than you know gravity because those situations have so much gravity of like my words are going to impact what this person does how they think about themselves and it could you know 
Trigger warning, it could lead like to mental health problems. And, you know, there is also such a big problem with the uh, mental health, the depression, anxiety, suicide, especially in the communities that we were traditionally taught to shun. Yes. And uh, we should actually turn to talking about that specifically. We grew up in a children's home that was separated from the rest of society intentionally, except for Sundays, whenever you went to church. And And Walmart. uh, Yes, and Walmart. But my family always did that on Sundays. Um, Your weekly trip to town. Yes. And town was 30 minutes away. Yes. Very far. To give a very specific idea, this children's home, uh, should we name it? Uh, Let's not name it for legal reasons. All right. We will not name it. Uh, Although legally, these are all of our our opinions. And so they cannot do anything. This, This children's home that we grew up in, that we will not name, is part of this community of churches called the Christian Church. So if you see first Christian Church, Edmund Christian Church, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. No, I drove by it. It looks like it's like Velociraptor Ryan. It looks like it's a gym. I just drove by it today. (laughs) It looks like it turned into a gym. And I think there's something with Velociraptors, but I'm probably not remembering correctly. Oh, well, it doesn't super matter. (laughs) If you know the terminology, there are two groups of Christians that uh, have sort of like formed this uh, group. There's fundamentalist Christians and evangelical Christians. And uh, sometime in the 80s and 90s, they sort of started merging together. Evangelical being like Billy Graham group and fundamentalist being like, I don't know, Ken Ham. Uh, And both of these have like come together. And a lot of it has uh, turned to it's typically Republican, which isn't bad in and of itself. But with these other, a lot of it turns to white nationalism, Christian nationalism, and it is all hidden underneath it. And so as children, we sort of grew up in this milieu of pseudo non-racist slash racist and sexist ideologies that are inaccurate and that we have had to work through and continue working through. It was very subtle and you don't really realize until, you know, 20 years later. And then you're just like, wait a minute, did we really learn this? Because it's it's so subtle and it's also in the context of Christianity. And so in the context of religion and you're taught not to question this because the Bible is 100 percent accurate and true because the Bible says it is in Timothy or whatever. And so you're just taught not to question these things and then it becomes internalized And so you have internalized white supremacy, internalized misogyny, internalized racism. And you don't realize that until you get out into the real world. And then there's those tensions. And when you feel this tension and you can go, why do I feel this tension? Let me dig into this. Or you can go, oh, it's because of, you know, this is secular stuff. This is stuff of the world. And I need to just go back into my secluded community where everyone thinks the same thing that I think, because that makes me feel better. And I don't have this tension anymore because there's nothing there that is causing me to feel this tension. And a big part of that is imagining that this is the true form of Christianity or the best form of Christianity. And this is a a problem with many people in this sort of group, which is they do not expand beyond their borders, right? So we have 50% of Christians in the world, around 50% are Catholic. Just flat out, if you are a Christian, you are more likely to be Catholic than any other group of Christians. However, growing up, we would hear Catholics are Christians too. 
as if we were able to decide who was Christians and who weren't, even though they were the majority of Christians. And there's the, the subtle, you don't even realize it because you're a kid and you don't actually know the truth. Even now, I feel that tension. I feel like, oh, well, you know, Christians and Catholics, Catholics are different than Christians because they have their iconography, which is idolatry. They don't, you know, really dig into the word the way that we dig into the word. And it's that tension of, you know, again, it's, it's, making this us versus them, putting us in them. And it's just like, this is why we are superior because we don't, you know, have these icons. But then at the same time, we learn, you know, we look at them in our history and we're like, these are so cool, but we don't like them. But you look at it and if you ever see religion, um, the Christian religion portrayed in the media, it's always Catholicism because that is what the majority of, that is the majority denomination they're in. But we feel like, you know, oh, it's Catholic and Protestant and Protestant, you know, you have evangelical and fundamentalist. And then there's this whole Emo Phillips routine called the Golden Gate Bridge. What's that? Because it's fabulous. Um, it's on YouTube. You should look it up. But it goes through, you know, um, you know, I used to be a Christian. Are you Catholic or Protestant? Protestant. Me too. What franchise? Baptist. Me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? Southern Baptist. Me. I think it was actually Northern Baptist. Me too. But the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And they find that there's one difference, you know, from Council of 1812 or Council of 1910 or something. And then it goes, yeah. die, heretic. Right. Because there's just that one difference. And it's just putting those differences and like, oh, it's not the same as us. We don't like them. Oh, you know, you're a, a Northern Baptist and not a Southern Baptist. Oh, yes. because again, it's taught that whatever our brand of Christianity is, is superior because we know what's going on, obviously. Right. And like this goes back to early Christianity, because uh, even the, the Protestant Catholic division is false because like there's the Eastern Orthodox and then there's the other Orthodox, which I'll get to next episode when if we're talking about the history of the creation of the bible and different versions of the bible that are around i don't remember what year exactly this group of churches was kicked out because as christians quote unquote we talk about jesus was 100% god and 100% man these other this other group of churches which includes the syriac church the two Ethiopian churches were like no the 100% god and 100% man is so totally combined into Jesus, that it's just one entity. And it is not 100% both. It is just 100% everything combined, which is weird to say because we don't really go that deeply in our theology in church or anything, but this was such a big division that they were kicked out of the church early on. It's called a miaphysite theology. It's a big thing. And it's been going on for at least the last 1500 years in Christianity. I think we should turn to, um, our fields of study. <laughs> like, I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but again, as you said, fields of study. So I, as I mentioned earlier, I study science. I am a PhD student at uh, the OU Health and Sciences Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I am in the microbiology and immunology graduate program. So I'm going to be getting my PhD in microbiology and immunology, but my focus is on immunology And so my current focus is also looking at sex differences. And we'll get into that in a later episode, because when you get really into the science, it's like, okay, what even is sex? What even, you know, like gender is made up sex? Like, is it 
you know, is it the genitalia? Is it the chromosomes? It's neither. It's both. You know, it's like we'll get more into this. But so I but do. Do, a lot do of- explain that a little bit. Say the ways that the Y chromosome triggers certain sex characteristics and the yeah. Double so everyone, so you're born, and then when people, you know, when the fetus is developing, everything is going on following what the X chromosome says. But if you have a Y chromosome, then that triggers different sets of hormones and a different developmental process. And that like basically triggers, you know, the difference between the testes and the ovaries, but it is possible. There's a a paper that was published and they use these specific mice. I'll have to look up, look it up. So I give credit to the authors. They uncoupled the sex chromosomes with the gonads. So you have mice that are born that are XX with ovaries XX with testes, XY with ovaries, and XY with testes. And so it's like, okay, well, what are we going to call them? Is it a female mouse if it has two X chromosomes, but it has testes? Or does the testes make it a male? But what if it has the Y chromosome, but has ovaries? So is it a male mouse? Is it a female mouse? I don't know. You know, that's the thing. And so it's just like, We base everything off of sex characteristics, which is, you know, basically we base it off. Do you look like you have boobs and a vagina or do you look like you have a penis? And that's what we base everything off of. And it's just like there are so many people out there who are intersex individuals. We can't put them in one box. And so we're like, oh, you're so, oh, you know, because people freak out and it's ridiculous. And it's just like we just want the binary so we can have the us and the them. And also so we can say like, oh, well, I have a penis. So I'm superior. And it's that's stupid. Yeah. You know, you, that's just that's just a way of saying, you know, like, what is it like Yurtle the turtle or whatever? Or those ducks that like, I have a blue star. I'm better than you. It's just like, no. And uh, to be clear, uh, th- this term intersex means many different things. It's decently common for humans for, for the um, triggers from the Y chromosome to be like moved over to an X chromosome or whatever, or just to not trigger correctly. So there are plenty of humans. I think it's, I'm quoting Ono, Ross, and Carrie on this, and we can check it out later. About one in every 1,000 individuals is born intersex, meaning that they'll either have like non-specific genitalia or they'll have uh, like a penis and female breasts, female meaning having breasts, or these, these mixtures of things that are inaccurate. And so much of it is like based on hormones. And then also like I saw a TikTok this morning. So take that with a grain of salt. But they were saying like the population of people, individuals who are born intersex is like, you know, more than the, if you took all of them and put them together, it's more than the population of Australia, Canada and the UK, or it's almost as big yeah. as that. There are so many people, but we're like, oh, you're different. And it's just like, it's ridiculous because if we look at nature, we can also look at like clownfish whenever, you know, one of them dies. Then the other one is just like, oh, I'm going to become the the male or I'm going to become the female so that we can continue to breed and multiply. I'll again have to um, look up the specifics of that. I am just pulling information off the top of my head. I have not done a lot of research, science research. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. And it's just like, there's so many examples of, you know, things in the, just the animal kingdom, animalia, just basically like, look, this is a big old mess. But then we're just like, oh, but with humans, it's different. It's obviously different with humans. We can have, you know, 
all sorts of this crazy stuff, but with humans, oh, you know, like calico cats are typically only female because the calico coloring is based off of um, the second, uh, it's uneven inactivation of the X chromosomes, but then you could have a male calico cat and basically they're just XXY. So they have at least two X chromosomes, but we don't freak out about that. But then when, you know, a human is born with XXY, we're like, oh, wow, how different are they? It's like, no, it's not a big deal. Like if there are associated medical problems, yes, those should be treated to make sure that, you know, everyone has a good quality of life. But that's more into universal health care because we don't act that way with a male calico cat. We're just like, oh, science. And most people don't even know or notice anything like that. But yeah, plenty of people are born with like XXY or just a single X chromosome or just a single Y chromosome. And uh, there are some uh, health problems that occasionally come along with that, especially whenever there's only one chromosome. Um, But everyone also like everything gives you a health problem. So it's not like we should, you know, freak out because, oh, your sex chromosomes are different. It's like we should just treat people and just make sure everyone has a good quality of life and are living happily. And so, you know, you, that's just the way it is. Everyone should have the care and medical access that they need to have a good quality of life. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you have an X chromosome or if you have a Y chromosome, it doesn't matter what your weight is. It doesn't matter what your height is. Just so long as, you know, everyone just needs quality care and make sure, you know, healthcare is free. Their definition for quality of life is the one that we should go with. We should not try to change necessarily through gene therapy or whatever, the chromosomal makeup of a person or anything like that, if it is their decision to remain the way that they are. No, and yeah, it's exactly, it's all based on the individual. But like if they're working on like quality, you know, their quality of life is they don't care how much they weigh. They're happy. Then we shouldn't, you know, have doctors going on them. Oh, you're overweight. Oh, you know, mate, you're, you're, your bones hurt. Oh, maybe it's because you're overweight. It's like, no, maybe you have, you know, like rheumatoid arthritis and that should be something you look at instead of just telling people to lose weight. No, you should not try to put your standards of quality of life or ideal about idealized body on other people. You should just let other people be other people unless they are Nazis. Now, my field of study is uh, biblical interpretation. And we're going to get a little complicated here as Abby did. So biblical interpretation with a focus on the Hebrew Bible, which is what adults call the Old Testament. And I say that because the term Old Testament is actually rooted in uh, the idea of Uh, It's called dispensationalism, and it's basically, we don't have to care about the Jews anymore, and we don't have to care about what they wrote, because the New Testament is what's most important, and it's this idea, and that is rooted in this uh, hatred of Jews and Judaism as people who think and talk in a way that wants to be inclusive of all people, uh, including Jews, especially Jews, because they are a major part of what becomes Christianity, and because there, there's been many anti-Semitic tropes that we grew up with. Anyway, that's a whole side note. Call it the Hebrew Bible. So, um, so sorry. Um, yeah. This is new information for me. So, calling it New Testament and Old Testament is anti-Semitic. It's been rooted in anti-Semitism. It depends on who you ask, but it's it is rooted in anti in anti-Semitism. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's Hebrew Bible, and you can say Christian Testament. Some people still use, I still use the term New Testament because it is new, but without the qualifier of new and old, just new is just new. But saying that okay. something is old means something that it's out of date. Hebrew Bible and 
uh, New Testament. Bible, New Testament or Christian Testament. Sometimes I'll slip up and say Old Testament. That's just your, years and years and years of being taught one thing. Now, see, I'm going to have to start practicing this. Right. And because it's just like, well, now I've learned something new that I didn't know before was rooted in problematic uh, ideology. So it's like, well. Just assume that a lot of the stuff we grew up with is rooted in a lot of problematic ideology. It's something and that new is every day. That's the importance of the next episode we're going to do is uh, talking about history of the Bible, which is going to be its whole thing. My sub-disciplines or sub-sub-disciplines are a womanist interpretation and post-colonial theory. So womanist interpretation, uh, I cannot do womanist interpretation. It is impossible for me to do it because womanist interpretation is by Black women who identify as womanists. It is very much focusing on the intersection of race, class, gender, and many others. It, it is rooted in this ideology of uh, there is racism and there is sexism. The civil rights movement focused more on Black men and talking about Black men than about Black women. And the feminist movement focused a lot on white women, especially middle-class to upper-class white women. And so um, that's why you have a lot of conversations about women C CEOs and you have these Black women uh, who are marginalized more than definitely white men, white women, and black men in this intersection. So because of all of this, they have different perspectives and they are ignored most of the time and it creates a lot of conflict. And so contemporary feminism, also known as third wave feminism, is really trying to deal with that aspect of itself, but it's behind black feminism and womanism. And then post-colonial theory is uh, just so there was this period of colonialism where Western European nations were trying to conquer the whole world and turn the whole world to be like Western European nations. And also there's this like sub narrative of how these groups of people, especially the so-called Anglo-Saxon peoples, believed that everybody else was eventually going to go extinct. And so they were just going to like try to help that along because they because the Anglo-Saxon race was the superior race. Now we know and they knew. It works. <laughs> we know, and they knew then, and they intentionally ignored it and covered it over, that we're all the same. We're all, like, humans, the same species. Race is just socially constructed. And you can, like, see little things. They knew what they were doing, but they were trying to fool the lower classes who were not as learned so that they could maintain their status, creating this rhetorical reality. Basically, socially constructed race, uh, according to critical race theory and lots of other groups, but uh, because critical race theory is a big deal right now, critical race theory holds that race is not a physical, is not physically real. Uh, there are people who will say that it is, but those people are just being dishonest and they are open about being dishonest about that uh, in public and on Twitter. What critical race theory holds is that race is socially constructed and so what CRT does is they look at how it is socially constructed in the law. If you hear anything about critical race theory that is not talking about legal studies, that's not critical race theory. It might be rooted in it, but it is not critical race theory itself. So post-colonial theory is now that that is on pause or not as open, now what do we do? Now how do we deal with this? How do we undo the harm so that people can be as Abby was saying, who they are, who they 
like so African religions, Eastern European religions, Asian religions can just do their own thing without having without people just trying to like force militarily Christianity upon them and Western European ideology upon them. Uh, but it's like it's too late to stop it, right? Like so science is a big deal and that's a big Western European thing and it's a big deal throughout the entire world. It is, and it's taken because I'm so rooted in science. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes, it's very difficult for me to step back because I'm like, no, this is how science says, but this is what science says. It's objective. And it's like, no, 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 wait, we got to take a step back. We got to take another step back right. and I gotta keep backing up because it's just like, because we see like, this is the way we do our studies. This is the way we do things. And especially if you look at like, if you're looking at things like the paranormal and the belief in spirits, and it's just like, well, we can't even scientifically test those things because you know it's not something we can observe repeatedly and retest mm-hmm. you know that's also a big problem in science is the lack of reproducibility of experiments but it's just like so we're saying that you know oh this isn't real this isn't scientific because you know oh i don't believe in spirits and ghosts you can't prove that mm-hmm. and it's just like okay well no one can reproduce your mouse studies you know but like we so what we can't we can't observe this and we can't reproduce it, that doesn't mean it's not real, you know? And that doesn't mean it's not something that science, science should be a tool. It should be something we use to look at things in our physical world, but things that are, you know, like the existence of God or the existence of spirits, you know, those are things that science cannot measure. We don't, we don't have the tools for that right now. Science is not that tool. And so we should just use science to look at things like, you know, we can't look at like, what's going on in the body? You know, mm-hmm. what is this protein doing? How is the gut microbiome interacting with the host? But in terms of like the spirits of deceased ancestors, like that's not something scientists can do. And so we should stop judging people through the lens of science because it's like looking at the sun with a magnifying glass. You're using the wrong tool and you're just making, you're just hurting yourself yeah. and you're hurting other people. So, not necessarily with a magnifying glass. That's mostly just yourself, but it's the <laughs> wrong tool. Yeah. And also, along with this proliferation of science, which I do, to an extent, support the proliferation of life-saving measures that can really help everybody throughout the world, but it comes with... COVID vaccines that everyone should get. Yes, get the COVID vaccine, please. Uh, But tied to this comes with this idea that you are supposed to live, like science is supposed to reveal to us the right way or best way to live, which isn't openly spoken about, but it's this idea of like, uh, we, we talked about overweight. So, oh, this weight is the healthiest weight for you. And so that becomes through uh, social construction, which uh, part of postcolonial theory is just because it's socially constructed does not, not mean that it isn't real. So it's real that this belief that you're not supposed to be overweight. And there are people who are genetically, quote unquote, supposed to be overweight. But because it has certain health consequences connected to it, but doesn't always like actually connect with each person because everybody's an individual. And so you can be overweight and not have all of those health problems. But uh, say things like overweight and underweight is like you're trying to get to the ideal weight. And it's just like it's different for every person. And what are we basing it off of? We're basing it off of like it's just like, well, this is what you should be based upon, like the fat content and the muscle content. And it's just 
so much of it is not true, not focused on making people their ideal, you know, not not making people reach their physical potential. It's mm-hmm. more of fat phobia. And yep. it's just like, I don't like this. And so I'm going to shame you and not listen to you. And even though, you know, there's also health problems involved with being underweight, not having a lot of, you know, like body fat, so you can't store um, vitamins because you have those fat soluble vitamins. But also we don't, we, we're just, we don't focus on that as much because mm-hmm. we think it's attractive. Of course, things change because in the middle ages, you know, people, you know, with all those luscious curves were like, oh yeah, they can eat, they've got money. And it's just basically, it's, it's not even based upon science. It's just, you're using science as an excuse to say, I don't like this which has been done for a lot in the past, like using science to be racist Mm -hmm. and then also being racist with science. Yeah. It's, and again, that is something that we're not taught. And so that's something that we have to unlearn. You know, we go through the presidential fitness tests and it's just like, grab yourself. Do you feel fat? That means you're fat and unhealthy. It's like, no, that's just normal body rolls from sitting. Mm -hmm. But now I have body issues. And some people, most of us, just couldn't do 100 push-ups or whatever we were supposed to do for the presidential fitness. Like, it's hard for a kid. Okay, I'm a purple belt in Taekwondo. I can't do push-ups. <laughs> I can't. I still do the, again, the sissy push-ups, the girly push-ups, the push-ups on my knees because I don't have that upper body strength. That doesn't mean I'm, you know physically incomplete i'm a good at arm wrestling mm-hmm. i'm great at that i won i was the undefeated arm wrestling champion in my co-ed dorm freshman year of college thank you very much but like that's just again idealized body types and it's just like everyone's different why can't we realize everyone's different and not everyone is your white macho man that uh, i joshua am a white man typically go by the pronouns he him his but you can call me what you want uh, people have done that in the past and it's fine. And so like, this is a whole thing that I'm dealing with that I am, a lot of my life has been laid out for me. And like, it's easier for me to get through and get into this PhD program where I am studying the writings of black women. And I got here easier than black women. And so to a certain extent, I am dedicating my uh, career and whatever happens in the future to sort of trying to undo these powers that are in the world so that we can help other people in this way unlearn childhood and unlearn all of these things that we learned that are just incorrect and a bad epistemology which is just the way of knowing but bad epistemologies that are harmful to people so like josh said um so i abigail am also white i was assigned female at birth. Um, Gender is a social construct and we're going to deal with that in a later episode. Mm -hmm. I actually identify as um, agender, which is part of the non-binary spectrum. Um, So my pronouns are she or they, it really doesn't matter. Um, Actually, I can do any pronouns. Honestly, I usually go by she because it's just, for me personally, fighting for my gender identity is not a priority for me personally. And so I would just, I don't honestly care. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. That is my own. 
personal experience. Now I will fight for anyone else. You know, I will want to make sure that I gender people correctly and use the correct name and pronouns. But for me, um, you know, we could dig more into this and we will a later episode about, you know, also like internalized misogyny and then still um, taught beliefs about why being LGBTQ plus is bad. But for me, you know, so I don't really have a, a female perspective on some things because I never really see myself as necessarily female. I see myself as me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't, you know, I, I don't see myself as a gender. I just see myself as me, but I do fit into the category of white woman. Um, so that has definitely helped me on time, such as I can play the, um, the dumb, the, the dumb blonde getting out of a speeding ticket. Well, I wasn't speeding. I, I, I ran through a red light. I got a warning, but I definitely recognize my privilege in that situation. I definitely use my privilege in that situation, but the fact that I had privilege in that situation is, you know, it sucks because I know that there are people who don't have privilege in their situation and they very well could have been shot because, you know, like that's the way things are. And so I recognize that I have privilege. And what I do want to do is because I, um, in sciences, as a individual who was born to not birth, um, I am in a minority even though I am white and even though there are a lot more women in science, um, I am in a minority and also a lot of science is focused on white men. And so like for things like the COVID vaccine it's focused on the side effects are focused on how are white men experiencing this? And, you know, like we don't have a male birth control because white men, you know, or men were just having, you know, some weird side effects. It's like, okay, well, you know, we get all of those and more with right. female birth control, but you don't do anything about that mm-hmm. because science, so much of science, there is this internalized misogyny and we look at things like, well, how will this affect white men? So we don't look at black men or black women or white women or you know native women or Asian women, or we just look at Caucasian men. Yes. And... Uh, to have this, like, to demonstrate how this focus has an effect, uh, you know, there's, there have been studies that, like, the signs of having a heart attack, chest pains, and other symptoms, I'm not sure, uh, they're different in people with female-typed bodies, and, and so they're, they're different, and so there have been a higher rate of death among people, uh, from heart attacks among men based on various factors, but, but so many women are kicked out or not allowed into the ER in time to actually take care of the heart attack because they do not describe the symptoms that the white man or the black man or any other man would have. And so this leads to deaths that could have been fixed and, and they wouldn't have died. Also, another thing is um, endometriosis, which is a condition when the lining of the uterus grows outside of the uterus Mm. and it causes significant pain, which can be debilitating whenever um, individuals, aside female birth, I'm just going to call them AFABs, whenever they experience a period. But it's a struggle for them to 
actually get the treatment they need because people are like, oh, well, cramps hurt. It's like, yeah, but I really like I want to die. Like mm-hmm. I am vomiting. I am wiped out for a complete week. And you have to do an invasive procedure to confirm this instead of just, you know, believing me when I say, hey, I have debilitating cramps. And mm-hmm. I, that's such a struggle. And also it's just like, why do we have to deal with this? You know, also there's not very much, um, there hasn't been a lot of research into this. And it's like, this can cause issues with fertility and this causes significant pain and can, you know, I personally suffer from endometriosis. I'm on a birth control that prevents me from having a period, which is phenomenal. I'm very grateful that I'm on that. And I have a doctor who trusts me and believes me when I say, hey, I think I have endometriosis. And she's like, cool, here's a birth control for you. But it's unfair that individuals at birth have to fight for this. And also, if they're like, hey, I don't plan on having kids. Can I just get a hysterectomy? People are like, but what if you change your mind in the future? What will your husband think? And children are the best thing. It's like, I know what is best for me. I know what my life plan is. This is what I'm like. Let me do what I want to with my body because it is my body. And if I don't want children and I don't want to suffer, from, you know, extreme pain and take medicine every day to make sure that I don't have this, then I should be allowed to make allowed to make this choice. Right. And, and like, also there's jokes on the internet of men had these problems, they would already be solved. Yeah. Which is, you know, sad. It's, it's just, we have to fix this, but this is the society in which we were raised. And doubly so, uh, our families and the community that we specifically grew up in are like lean more heavily into this than the I don't know general public, I guess. Like because... you see those things about like the 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 few who are very vocal, but there's only a few of them, but they're very loud, mm-hmm. and but they believe these crazy things. So we're in that 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 population of the very loud, more radical people. Mm-hmm. That's where we grew up. You know, we were so secluded. We didn't necessarily have the chance to join the QAnon on the corner rallies. We were taught things that were essentially like, yeah, I need to stand up for these beliefs because this is ruining my country because America is God's country. But, you know, it's never been that no not since it was founded so we should reiterate so the goals of this are to talk about our experiences growing up in such a um cultish community that was very very focused on um literal interpretation of the bible very much of the extreme republican christianity we were, you know, working through these things that we were taught that were racist, that were sexist, that were just flat out wrong. And things that we were taught were, you know, this is what Jesus would have wanted, but they go against the teachings of love. And so it's just like, no, I don't think that the person who preached love would be okay with, you know, us being homophobic, us being racist, us being sexist. And it's especially, you know, we want to do better than what we have been taught. And so we have to unlearn the things that we have been taught in order to 
make a difference in the world because we don't want to be those people who, you know, are, we talk a big game, but when it comes down to it, just another sexist person, just another racist person, just another person, you know, doing the hashtag on Instagram and not helping. We don't want to be those people. We want to actually help make the world a more equitable place. We want to use our the privilege that we have and the positions that we have in order to help. And we want to be able to share what we're learning, share our struggles. We know we're not the only people who have experiences like this. Yes, ours are rather unique, but we're not the only people who grew up are having to unlearn the things that we've taught, the things that we've internalized, because so much of it was built upon the lie of white supremacy and the lies that come along with racism and sexism. So this is the goal of the podcast is we just want to share what we have learned and to share our struggles and to together tackle these controversial topics and model change, do the best we can, and then do better. That sounds good. All right. So thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, please share it with people if you think uh, they'd be interested. Uh, of course, we're still starting out. And so we're, we're finding our footing. But uh, we hope that you've enjoyed us talking about ourselves. If we've done something that has, um, if we've spoken out of a place of ignorance, we would love it if you have, um, you know, we're not expecting you to educate us. Right. We are doing weird, you know, that is not your responsibility. But if there is something we have said or done that has um, been harmful or is obvious for speaking out of way of ignorance, we will, you know, please let us know. We will amend that. We will make a public apology. Yes. We are trying to do things better. And yes, we are human. And so we make mistakes. And sometimes we talk and we talk and our brain isn't catched up to our mouths. But we want to make, you know, we are here to learn. And as much as we're talking and, you know, sharing what we've learned, we also are always wanting to learn more. We are finding our footing. So, you know, things do, things can only get better from here. Yeah. And if you want to talk to us or do that, uh, talk to us for whatever reason that you have or have connected with us in any way, uh, you can email us at podcast at unlearningchildhood.com. My Twitter is Joshua underscore A underscore Turpin. That's T-U-R-P-I-N. Uh, you don't have to share yours if you don't want to. It's fine. And mine is as Guardian Mead 61. <laughs> A-S-G-A-R-D-I-A-N-M-E-A-D 61. Um, Almost as good as 69. Can... I made it when I was too young and naive. <laughs> get 69. Yes. Uh, we should also talk about that in a later episode of learning or how rather how we did learn sex ed. Or most things related to social culture. Woo! <laughs> That's great. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to us, please do. And thank you to Kai Jorgensen for our intro and outro from his song Coffee and Cigarettes, which you can buy on iTunes.